This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. It's great to see you guys uh, this morning. So glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, we are super grateful. Hey, I've asked uh, Lydia Long, our Director of Online Ministries. She's going to partner with me in today's message. Let's welcome her this morning. Thanks, guys. Lydia, take a minute, say a quick hello. Yeah, my name is Lydia Long. Most of my online friends know me as the Director of Online Ministries. For those of you in the building, you probably know me as the lady that tells you about upcoming events sometimes on Sundays. Um, But just know I'm your friend. I'm married to um, our student pastor, Brett Long, or you might know him as Sarge. So we've been around Life Church for years, and we love it and call it home. And I'm so excited to worship God with you today through the hearing and teaching of His Word. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the first uh, service message was awesome. If this one's not good, it's y'all's fault, not ours. And so... um, Hey, we're kind of continuing uh, in this series we're calling Train. Uh, It's based out of a verse in 1 Timothy. If you have your Bibles, go over to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, both in this life and the life to come. And so Paul is saying that, that for every amount of effort you put into taking care of your physical body, exercise, etc., he says, hey, that's great, but put even more effort into training yourself for godliness. And so we're in this series, we're calling Train, we're talking about some of these spiritual practices, spiritual habits, disciplines, if you will. Last week, uh, Pastor Greg did a great message on prayer, Today, we want to talk to you about what does it look like to really engage with the scriptures for the purpose of knowing God more, loving him more, and for transformation. And and, and so really excited. Here's your first point. Jesus's whole life was rooted in the scripture. Jesus, everywhere you turn, he's quoting scripture. You see it early in his ministry. We're going to see in a minute, we're going to see even before his ministry. But when Jesus kicks off his ministry, the first thing he does is he quotes scripture. We, we see it in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He says he, it says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Here's the truth. Jesus went to church every Sunday. Saturday, whatever. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And then he said, he reads from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll and he sits down and then he says, this, and then he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what Jesus does. He gets up and he reads this messianic prophecy and then he says, hey, that's all about me. See, what we see is Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, and Jesus' identity was firmly rooted in the Scripture. And then, and then he, he makes it clear. He says, the Scripture matters. I'm not here to do away with it. I'm here to fulfill it. We see he tells us this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, don't suppose for a minute 
that I've come to, this is out of the message translation. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it here. He says, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish it, but to complete it. I'm going to put it all together, put it all together in a vast panorama, 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 tomato, tomato. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law, the scripture, will be alive and working. And so Jesus is saying the scripture is is more powerful, more potent, and more permanent than, than the ground you're standing on. He says it's powerful. Jesus is saying the Bible's a big deal. He says, trivialize even the smallest item in God's law, and you will have only trivialized yourself. But take it seriously, show the way for others, and you will find honor in the kingdom. And so Jesus is, it kicks off his ministry reading scripture. He says, my purpose is really found in fulfilling the scripture. And then after Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, the last thing we see Jesus doing, one of the last things after he rises from the dead, as, he, as he's reading scripture to people, let me show this to you. After Jesus rises from the dead, he's on this road to Emmaus and he's talking to these guys. He says, how foolish are you? Luke 24, 25, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So Jesus says, he opens up the Old Testament and he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's easier for me to engage the New Testament than the, is the Old Testament. You start, you kind of, you begin reading the Old Testament and, and you kind of start getting bogged down into Deuteronomy or Leviticus and Numbers. And it's, and, but what Jesus is saying to these guys is that whole Old Testament is filled with either direct specific prophecies or types and foreshadows of himself. He says that whole Old Testament, it's pointing to me. So Jesus defined his whole life, his ministry, and his identity was rooted in scripture, both for the sake of of his external ministry, but also in his personal life. Lydia, unpack that a little bit. Absolutely. So I want to take us back. Pastor Dave um, talked about his public ministry, right? If we go right before that, Luke 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 1, uh, we see this really powerful moment in Jesus' personal life. And I want you to just know that this comes right after his public baptism. And it's this very public approval from God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, affirming that Jesus is God. And so my invitation for you today, because we're friends, I'm just hopping in because we're all friends. We all know each other. So we're just going to go for it, Okay. Uh, my invitation for you is to ask the question, as Pastor Dave and I are unpacking this today, is am I prepared? Because Jesus is God. He was doing everything right, and yet the Spirit still led him to be tempted. That's what verse 1 says. Um, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. He was very hungry, obviously. But my, my invitation for you is to ask the question, is, am I prepared? Because no matter what's happening, Temptation is coming, hardship is coming. I'm sorry, we're starting, we're friends, so I can just start, start with you guys, right? Um, we're starting um, heavy, but I just want, Pastor Dave and I want you to be prepared. And so Jesus's life shows us how he prepared. So let's look at it. There's three temptations. The first one in verse three says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. 
And what we see here is this is an invitation to accept an identity that is not actually Jesus's. Satan is tempting him to accept an invitation um, to accept what is not God's very, very best for him. But because Jesus knows scripture, he um, talks about Deuteronomy. And if you go back and read the end of Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 and 3, it says, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus can say to Satan and say, I already know my identity. I already know I'm the son of God. I don't need to perform a miracle to prove that. My sustenance, what I need, is in the word of God and his presence. Okay, so let's look at uh, the, the second temptation. Verse five, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. To catch this, this is an invitation to worship something or someone other than God. And Jesus knows, so he answers him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Again, he's quoting from Deuteronomy um, chapter six. And not only does he quote a scripture that talks about worship, because we're talking about worshiping something or someone other than God. So he, he pulls a verse that is about worshiping God alone. But do you catch, he also talks about, the end is him only shall you serve. So Jesus, knowing scripture, um, he talks about how worship equals service, right? So he knows that worship is service. Worship is giving his life away. And he knew that he was coming to redeem the world because he knew his identity, right? He wasn't confused about his identity. He knew that he was coming to redeem the world and that redeeming the world was not going to happen through bribery and um, shortcuts because Satan is essentially telling him, let's take a shortcut. You can bypass suffering. You can bypass the cross and come straight to glory. It's his bribe that he's trying to give to Jesus. But because Jesus knows scripture, he knows Worship equals service, and that's not the way that I'm going to worship God. I know that I have come to redeem the world through suffering, okay? The last temptation we're looking at, uh, verse 9, and he, Satan, takes Jesus to Jerusalem and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Do you catch that? Satan now is using the words that Jesus just gave us. He said, it is written. And now Satan is quoting scripture at uh, at Jesus. Let's watch this. He says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, if you go back and read, this is from Psalm 91. Satan is quoting Psalm 91. If you go back and look at it, this is the verse. He's quoting scripture accurately. But what he's doing wrong is he's misapplying. This is a misapplication of scripture. And Jesus knows it because if you go back, look at Psalm 91, it actually starts about trusting God, not testing God. And and Jesus knows that this is a temptation to test God. So he quotes from Deuteronomy again. He's great at Deuteronomy. I don't know Deuteronomy as well as Jesus yet. Uh, But he says, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Because Jesus knows the word of God is about trusting God, not testing him. So we see in these three quick examples, we see how Jesus used scripture to to, um, obviously combat temptation and struggle but also to affirm his identity, to remember who he is in Jesus and to live that out accurately. And we see him apply it accurately. So Pastor David, I want to kind of unpack this for you to show you how your personal life can look like what we just saw in Jesus's personal life. How did he read and study and meditate and learn how to apply scripture well? So let's dive in. 
Yeah, so if, if Jesus' life was so rooted in Scripture that at the key moments in his life, kicking off his ministry and, and defining his purpose after he'd rise from the dead, and in the most difficult moments of his life, in the midst of temptation, what Jesus is all about is the Scripture. If Jesus' life was rooted in Scripture like that, 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 that's the pattern for us. And we want to, how do we root our life in Scripture? Here's the first truth. Consume it through reading and studying it. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 says this, says, all scripture is God-breathed, all scripture that comes from God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's that, that similar language that Paul uses that we're basing this series on, training in godliness or in righteousness, that the servant of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good Work. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible tells us that, that there are good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Ephesians 2.10. God's got plans and purposes, ways to use you, but it's the scripture and, and empowered by the spirit that God works in your life to prepare you for these good works. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. He says, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. And so here's my challenge to you. Wherever you are at and, and your habits, your rhythms, your discipline of engaging the scripture, I just want to challenge you to take one step forward. And so for some of you, you might be honest to say, you know what? The only time I ever read the scripture or hear the scripture is on Sundays when, I, when it's read from the stage, read from, the, from here as a part of the message. You might say, I never really or almost never read the scripture. And so for you, what I would challenge you to do is to begin the practice of even just reading a verse a day. And others of you might say, you know what, I've been in that practice of reading a verse a day for a period of months or, or years, and so I would challenge you to take a step for, for, uh, to, to begin to read more than that. Maybe connect to a Bible reading plan. There, if you don't have, how many of you have the YouVersion Bible app? And so the, if you don't have it, you can find that little icon. It looks like a little Bible with a little cross on it. They're going to throw up the icon right there. It used to have a cross, I think, in my imagination. Um, and so uh, the, the Bible app, and, and on there, there's, there's, it's, here's the truth. There's literally never been a moment in history where it has been anywhere near as easy to engage the Scriptures as it is today. So on there, there are all these different plans and you say, for whatever you're into, like you're like, there's, you know, if you're really into fly fishing, there's probably some sort of like fly fishing devotional on there. Exactly. Well, you know, Jesus, fishers of men, and fly fishing, whatever. There's something on there for it. There's so many different Bible reading plans. Some of them are more topical. Some of them will, will take you through the New Testament in, in, in three months or six months. Some will take you through the whole Bible in, in a year. Uh, and, and, but here's the thing. May, you say, hey, I, and maybe you're, I read a stat once, it's a horrible stat, that the average man, that 80%, well, 85% of all stats are made up on the spot, but there was a, a large number of men never complete another book after their formalized education. Hashtag ignorant men. Um, and so, uh, so you say, you might say, hey, reading's not my jam. 
there's resources on there where if you say, hey, I've simply got two minutes. This is for you if you say, hey, I, I never read the Bible outside of Sunday morning. You can go to the YouVersion app and they will read it to you and take two minutes and apply. Check out this little video. Pastor LeBrian Corinne from the Long Church here in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's verse of the day is coming from Amos 5:24. From the Amplified Version, it says, But let justice run down like water, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream flowing abundantly. My illustration just to start this really deals with my girls. And there was one weekend that two of my daughters were arguing back and forth the entire weekend. At the end of the day, my younger one went to hug the one that was older. And the older one said to her, don't hug me, just be kind. I think it's amazing that this scripture really amplifies for us that God is less concerned about how well we worship or how amazing our duties are when we don't treat the people that he created the same way that we worship him. There's always got to be a connection between our worship and the way we do justly and righteously with people that God allows in our lives and even people that we come across. My prayer today is that there would be a marriage between the way you interact with God and the way you interact with people. There will be a space where we all learn to love our neighbors even as ourselves. So if you're not used to engaging the scripture midweek, there's no reason, every single person can take that step. Or if you say, hey, I'm in the pattern of, of reading a, a verse a day, I would encourage you to just take another step. Maybe, maybe begin to try to read through the gospels in a period of weeks or months or the New Testament. I'm, I'm doing this Nicky Gumbel, read through the Bible with, through, in a year with Nicky Gumbel thing. Whatever work, but just I, wherever you're at, take another step in how you begin to read the Bible. And as you read it, you want to be praying saying, God, please reveal yourself to me in this passage. Go ahead, Lydia. So the next part of engaging the scriptures that Pastor Dave and I want to encourage you in today is the idea of internalizing the word of God through memorization and meditation. And your prayer, as, as we kind of unpack this, your prayer for this is, God, please root your word deep into my heart and my mind. And there's so many different ways that I could have taken you. There's so many amazing scriptures about meditation that I wanted to talk about, but I really wanted to focus in on one, and that's Psalm 1. So you can move over or click or tap for my techie friends to Psalm 1. And verse 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we could just take verse two and run with it about meditating and um, consistently, you know, day and night is consistently throughout your day, throughout your schedule, you're, you're thinking, you're pondering, you're talking to God about his word. Um, but I really wanted to take you to verse one for a second, because I think here we see what happens when we're not having this spiritual habit, this discipline of memorizing and meditating. And so- I think, I think meditation's one of those yeah. words. Lydia and I are gonna interrupt each other. <laughs> I'm just better at it than she is. Yes. Yeah, um, the, uh, but feel free to interrupt me. Meditation is one of those words. I think either a lot of it's either like we, we can't really grasp what does that mean, or we have some negative connotation to it. And, but it's a, it's a Bible word. I, I love how Rick Warren talked about how, how do you meditate? He said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Mm -hmm. 
Because when you're worrying, you're meditating about bad stuff. You're like, am I going to run out of money? Am I going to run out of money? Am I going to run out of money? Is my kid going to get sick? Is my kid going to get sick? Am I going to lose my job? You're kind of thinking over and over and over about a bad thing. And and so if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. The same thing you're doing about the bad stuff that, that may or may not ever happen, probably won't. You're just doing about God, his character, and his word. Keep going with this. Correct. Yeah. And so I think what happens when we get out of the spiritual habit of doing just that, there's a progression that the the the, the, uh, the Psalter, the poet, tells us in verse one. Did you catch the progression that we see? He says, who walks not in the way of the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And I want you to pick up on something because I think this has something to do with the, with the life of our mind as well. He's talking about sin, right? Falling from sin. So, so the walking part, this is where you turn the wrong way and you start walking away from God. You're making a progression from, from what the Lord wants for you, from the very best that God has for you. And, and when we're think, thinking about the life of the mind and meditation, think about that as where am I allowing my thoughts to drift to? What type of thoughts am I starting to walk toward, right? The next progression is standing, that you're stopping. You're not moving, you're stopping, and you're stopping to engage in sin. You're stopping to linger somewhere where you're not supposed to be lingering, right? And so in the life of the mind, you can ask the question of yourself of, what am I not just passing by, walking the wrong direction, but what am I now taking? What thought am I now taking captive? And I'm like letting kind of linger in me a little too long, right? What thought patterns am I lingering on that I should not be? And then sitting, I'm short, so it's going to take me a second. Uh, Sitting, you're comfortable now, right? This is the point where you're at ease with sin. You're comfortable with sin. You might not even be realizing how much sin you're in. And the same thing like with the couch, like when I'm at home, you know, like an hour goes by and I'm like, oh, I've been on this couch an hour. I should probably get up. You get comfy. It's hard to get back up, right? And then another hour goes back and I'm like, oh, I've been here for two hours. I need to get up. It's harder to get moving when you're sitting and you're comfortable. So here's what I want to encourage you in is I think when we begin to meditate and have that spiritual habit of meditation, we catch ourselves when we start walking. The, the goal, I think my heart, my goal is to catch myself when I start walking so that I'm not six months down the road realizing, oh, I've been sitting in pride for six months. I would much rather catch myself when I'm walking and allow the Holy Spirit to correct me. That happened to me last year, actually. So last year I read through the Gospels and all my friends in the room were like, she's talking about the Gospels again. Oh my gosh. I loved the Gospels last year. I can't stop talking Tell about it. Tell us, what were the names of your friends that didn't want to hear you talk about Jesus? Do you alphabetical list? Or? Just the ones on staff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slot. But the Gospels <laughs> transformed my life last year. And so I read them over and over again. So probably October, November, I'm reading Matthew 6 for the 11th time that year, and I'm telling you something different was happening. And um, it was the, the piece about Jesus warning us about practicing righteousness in order to be seen by other people. And something stirred in me, and I thought, I need to sit with this a little bit longer. So I did. The whole day, I meditated on that verse, and I kept talking to the Holy Spirit about that verse. And the Holy Spirit did a work. I, allowed, I opened myself up. Part of reading is we're asking questions of the text. But I think part of meditating is we're allowing the text to ask questions of us. We're allowing the Word of God to ask questions of us. And so I stepped back. I could have just marked that I read three chapters of Matthew and closed my Bible and went along my day, but I didn't. I felt the stirring of the Holy Spirit. And so I let the Holy Spirit ask some questions of me that day regarding Matthew 6. And we did some work. We set up some boundaries. And I know now when I start walking toward wanting somebody to see my righteousness, I catch myself when I'm walking because the Holy Spirit and I did some work that day and we set up boundaries. So that well, six after, months- After that, 
You Uh-oh. stopped bragging about reading the Gospels every day. Oh, and oh, was, well, I guess we're back square it, one. It was, I'm catching myself walking right now, Actually, guys. our staff had been praying that God would show that to you. Prayer. And, yeah, uh, and absolutely. So, He's listening. Always. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to not be sitting in that for six months, right? Maybe I'm sitting there right now. We're going to talk about it later. Pastor Dave and I will. Okay, so, so my encouragement for you, though, is to think about the life of your mind. And so we want to give you some practical tips of, of maybe what does that look like? Maybe you're saying, okay, I'm all in. I get it, Lydia, but I don't even understand what you mean by meditate and memorize. Um, you can see I, I'm actually very tangible or uh, analog type person. I, I love online. I love technology, but I also am pretty analog. So I really do keep these little index cards on me. I write down my verse that I feel like I need to sit with a little bit longer, keep it in a pocket, pull it out when you have a minute, and read it over and over again. Oh, one thing I want to say about memorization, though, Real quick, I, I found a lot of adults tell me, I can't memorize, like that was like elementary ministry, right? Like Lauren Meyer is over there teaching our kids how to memorize scripture, but we're past that now. We're adults, like we don't have to memorize. Um, or I can't memorize, that's usually, I can't memorize. But you guys, I hear you quote The Office and Parks and Rec all the time, right? And you well, yeah, know I what? Don't even, I don't oh. even know what that, what that is. I'm, I'm a Christian and I've never watched television. Well, I watch a lot of TV, <laughs> yeah. So... The heart of that, though, is you didn't start watching The Office saying, I want to memorize every line of this episode. You only can quote all those things because you watch it all the time. You've watched The Office really so many times that it's so ingrained in you that you just know the quotes and you know what Dwight's going to say when Jim does that prank. Like, you just know, right? It's so the same with Scripture. Don't get caught up in, I have to memorize all of the Book of Romans. Just start reading it. Read this over and over and over again. And I promise you, by the end of the day, I know more of this verse than I thought I would if I had tried to memorize it. So it could be this. If you're more techie um, and you don't want to carry around a little piece of paper with you, your phone, the Bible app has, when you click a verse, you click image, and it gives you all kinds of images you can save to your phone. And you can create that habit of when you pull your phone out, read that verse, talk to the Holy Spirit for 30 seconds about that verse when you pick up your phone. Um, think about the habits that you already have. Um, some people who maybe are stay-at-home parents, maybe that's a mirror you pass through in your house a lot. You could do your verse on that mirror, and every time you pass by, you stop and read and reflect on it. Um, if you drive a lot, if you're in the car, I've seen people do a sticky note on their dashboard so that when you get in and out of the car, you're reading that verse, talking to the Holy Spirit about that verse. Think about the habits that you already have and add Scripture to it and begin to talk to the Holy Spirit about that in your daily life, in your daily walk. And, you know, I think that through that, we're going to internalize it much more and I think be able to apply it a lot more. So Pastor Dave's going to walk us through how do really we apply good. it once we start internalizing it. Really, really good. And, and so here's the thing. We, we have to remember that the goal is never just simply to acquire knowledge. Our goal is that our affections for Jesus would be stirred. We'd, we'd love God more and then we would be becoming more like Jesus. And so without application, uh, it, it, we're, we're really not uh, re- receiving what we're supposed to receive. And so the third point is this, personalize it through application. So, so we, we, we consume it through reading and studying it. We internalize it as we meditate that leads to, to memorization. Then we personalize it through application. Here's what James says, James 1, 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And he says, there's no great knowledge, there's no great benefit to knowing more of God's word if, if you're not gonna obey. He says, do what it says. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and forgets what he looks like. He, what, here's the principle. There's, um, 
most of us, if you've been uh, walking with God long, uh, most of us, our level of knowledge already exceeds our level of obedience. So whenever we grow in knowledge but don't grow in obedience, we are simply becoming more accountable, accountable for our wickedness. And so we ask this question, what, what does it look like? So I read the text. Well, you read the book of Romans. So, so Paul is actually writing that book to a specific church in Rome at a specific place, addressing some specific issues. It, he, it, this, the text means something that directly is what it was intended to the original recipients. But at the same time, God want, wants to take his word, understood in context, empowered by his Holy Spirit, to, to speak to me Personally, and so I'm gonna give you three questions to ask as you pray and ask God to change you by his word. Here's three questions. As you read the text, is there a promise here I should claim? Bible's filled with promises. So you're wrapping up Matthew and we're going to the Great Commission and we just wrapped up the Great Commission and then in verse 20, Jesus says, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And maybe you're in a, a time in your life where, where maybe you're feeling lonely or alone or wondering if God is distant and far away. And, and so, but what Jesus is saying is he's saying to his followers, he says, I'm gonna be with you, even though he's gonna ascend into heaven, what Jesus is, is ultimately saying that I'm going to be with you in the person of my spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so there's this promise to claim, to meditate on this, the wonder of this truth, that I'm not going through life alone, even though I might feel like I am at moments, and God's not distant, but that he is with me, even he's even inside of me. It's a promise to claim. And another question to ask as you read the text, you say, is there a principle to apply? Now, the nature of a promise is it's always true, and there's not exceptions. The nature of a principle is it's usually true. This is, and when the Bible gives this principle, Proverbs is filled with principles, see principles other places, and it's usually fairly clear. Is this a promise or is this a principle? Sometimes it's a little bit gray, but it's usually pretty clear. This is a promise or this is a principle. A principle is usually, is, is, is a statement of this is the way life normally goes. And so in Proverbs 15, one, it tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. Someone comes at you real mad, bad attitude, you, if you respond, our, our instinct our, in, our, in our sin and our humanity, our instinct, your kid comes at you with an attitude. And there's this instinct to just squash them like a bug. You just came at me at a seven on the, on the intensity scale, and now I'm coming at you at a 77. <laughs> That's our instinct, right? But if you're wrestling with that, maybe in your marriage or a friendship, where maybe you're receiving some, some negative emotions, some anger, some wrath, and, and maybe your instinct is to come back with, with, with more of what you have just received, there's this principle that, that, says, hey, that, that says, hey, I'm gonna res- respond with the soft answer. Someone's upset with me, and I'm gonna say, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I, I, I obviously messed up here. Well, would you please forgive me? Now, the, it's not a promise, because some people, are gonna still be a jerk in that moment. But most of the time, your results will be better with that soft answer than it would be had you come back with more attitude, a soft answer. There's this principle that most of the time in life, a soft answer will, will turn away someone's anger or soften it. So is there a principle, is there a promise to claim? Is there a principle to apply? Third question, is there a command for me to obey? 
So in Jesus, and John 13, three says, a new command I give you as, as I have loved you, so you love one another. I mean, that is a command. And so I step back and I say, God, what are you saying to me? Is there a promise? Is there a principle? Is there a command? And this application thing is big. And really, application is really a big part of why we do life groups. Our life groups, which uh, um, they actually, most of them begin meeting this week. Last, uh, back in the fall, we had hundreds of people and dozens of groups. Most of those folks are staying in those groups as we go into the spring. We had a bunch of people sign up for uh, new groups last week. And today's another opportunity after service. As you go on the patio, there'll be tables. You can sign up there or on the website or church center app, sign up for a group. But really there's two main reasons we do these groups. The first is that we really believe it's in these groups that we learn to love one another. And that that's, we have these groups of people, some are for men, some are for ladies, some are co-ed, happen all different days of the week, all different times, get together. Many of them eat some food and talk about Jesus, but really just the goal is to really just to begin to live life and become like family, become the family of God for one another. And so it's in these groups we learn to love one another, but it's also in these groups that we learn to live out what we're learning. We learn to apply. We've learned the truth. We've heard the truth. How do we apply the truth? And it's a big part of of what these groups are about. And so we, we produce a resource. Uh, Dusty and Dr. Dusty Braun and Christy Braun, who, who oversee our adult ministries, our life groups, uh, they, every week, I, whoever's speaking, we send them notes uh, of where we're, where we're going with the message, and then they take hours and hours producing this thing called Digging Deeper. I'm gonna show you how to find it on, on, on the... Uh, on the Bible app, on, on, your, on your Bible app, under that verse of the day thing that comes up every day that you can watch a little video if you want, down at the bottom it says more. You click on more, and then you go to events, okay? You click events, and if you're in South Reno, somehow this beacon, Orange County, paid these guys a bunch of money to get listed even though they're not, what is the beacon, right? Is that even a church? Um, those next two churches, they're not, they don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Jokes, guys, I'm kidding with you. Um, and, then, uh, and then you skip, love those guys, friends. You skip down. Life Church Reno, that's all you gotta find. Life Church Reno, pretty much the only church you need to ever think about. Um, and then you go there to look like this, and then you scroll down to this section called Digging Deeper. So each week we send these uh, notes to Dr. Braun and Christy. They spend hours and hours and hours producing a resource that both becomes the discussion in many of our groups, but, but and I, I hope you're all in a group, but in the event that you're providentially hindered from being in one, these are just some great resources to help you apply. Great questions to ask and additional scriptures on the topic. And so here's the big challenge for you in 2022. Wherever you're at in how you're engaging the scriptures, whether you say, hey, I've never really been one to read the Bible, or maybe you've been reading a verse a day or a chapter a day or, or on, a, on a pretty aggressive reading plan, well, well, that you in 2022 would take a step forward. Might look like reading it a little bit more or more prayerfully. It might look like memorizing it or ultimately meditating on it so much that you just begin to memorize it. It might be that, that you've been really great at, at, at learning a lot, but not so great at applying. It might be saying, God, would you help me? Not, would, you, would you speak to me through your word? Would, you, would your word get rooted deep in my heart? And then, God, would you change me 
through your word. Because ultimately the goal of engaging the scriptures is that our affections for Jesus would be stirred, that, that we would know God more, that we'd love God more, and that we would be becoming more and more like Jesus. So wherever you're at in your scripture engagement, I wanna encourage you, take a next step. Let's pray together. So Father, we do thank you for all the ways you speak to us and that you're a God who desires to be known to the point where you have revealed yourself to us clearly through your word. And God, I pray that you'd help us all, Lord, to take next steps this year, take a step forward in how we engage your word, whether it's just beginning to read it for the first time, whether it's even just beginning to read a simple verse a day, whether it's reading it more or reading it more prayerfully or meditating on it or living it out. Lord, that we would all take another step with you as we engage your scriptures this year. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this and we'll see you soon.